It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. This Espionage Act of 1917 was later amended, you know. Espionage and sedition. You hear these phrases thrown in the description of Donald Trump. Espionage, sedition. Espionage and sedition are intended for people who act in treasonous ways. Spies, people who take our top secrets and give them to the enemy. Uh, Espionage, spies for the enemy. Sedition, who have as their purpose to undermine the Constitution and the rule of the land. None of that applies to Donald Trump, of course. But they keep throwing these phrases around. You can read the Espionage Act of 1917 as amended. It's right there on the Internet. This law has never been applied to a president or a former president. Why is that? Anybody know? Because it can't be. At least if we're still a constitutional republic, of which there are serious questions by me. The Espionage Act. The first sentence, as I said last night on Fox, the first sentence of Article 2, Section 1, and Article 2 is what creates the executive branch in the office of the presidency. The very first sentence basically is the sentence that provides that the president is the executive branch. Now, the left hates to hear this, particularly their professoriate. Doesn't mean he's a dictator. He just is in charge of one of the branches of government. And they wanted one person to be in charge. And then there's separation of powers. And it is generally understood, or used to be, that you cannot pass a statute that diminishes that diminishes one branch or another, or alters the Constitution in any significant way. Let alone in, institute a regulation at the Department of Justice or anywhere else. A regulation is the lowest, lowest of so-called requirements. Then comes the statutes, but the law of the land is the Constitution. When this law was passed in 1917, it was never intended to apply to a president or even a former president. World War I had started, and one of the worst presidents in American history, who was an out-of-the-closet racist and segregationist, Woodrow Wilson, a longtime Democrat so-called progressive, and one of the early intellectuals of the so-called progressive movement, by the way, He put this in place as as a broader part of other rules that he put in place. For instance, he set up an entire propaganda network. An entire propaganda network. Where he would threaten newspapers. He would threaten newspapers. If they would dare to challenge his views on World War I. He used the Espionage Act to put political opponents in prison. One of them was Eugene Debs. Now, Eugene Debs was a five-time Socialist Party uh, of America presidential candidate. He was very critical of our involvement in World War I. He spoke in Ohio, and he urged young men to resist the draft. So he was arrested and charged with 10 counts of sedition. And he was found guilty on all counts, and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And he couldn't vote for the rest of his life. And he appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court in Schenck versus United States unanimously ruled against him. They said that speech could potentially undermine society or the government 
particularly during the war, so it wasn't protected under the First Amendment. By the way, you know who commuted his sentence to time served? A Republican president by the name of Warren G. Harding. The Espionage Act was used for such vile conduct as Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. They were spying for the Communist Soviet Union. And they gave the Soviet Union top-secret nuclear weapon designs. They were spies. As well as information on jet engines and radar and sonar. Long trial, they were convicted under the Espionage Act of 1917. Daniel Ellsberg. He was charged with violations of the Espionage Act over the Pentagon Papers. But a judge dismissed all the charges against him because the government had illegally collected and handled the evidence. Chelsea Manning, former U.S. Army private. What's he call himself now? Elizabeth Manning or whatever it is. He had faced 22 charges, including aiding the enemy. The most serious sentence would have been the death penalty. He was convicted on 21 charges. But he was acquitted in terms of aiding the enemy. And he was sentenced to 35 years maximum security. Barack Obama commuted his, her sentence to the nearly seven years he, she had served. Edward Snowden, charged under the Espionage Act. By the way, more people have been charged under the Espionage Act since Woodrow Wilson by modern times by Barack Obama than any modern president's than any modern presidents. Um, so if you, uh, if you look at this Espionage Act and you look at the history of it, it literally has nothing to do with what's being done to Donald Trump. And it's also unconstitutional as it applies to Donald Trump. I've been the first to say this. I think I have to write it in the uh, National Review, Mr. Producer. What do you think? We were the first to talk about how this was used as a subterfuge for January 6th and broader investigation. It was during the second hour on Monday when we first heard of this news. And uh, last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and I'll do it again on radio, I pointed out that as applies to the President of the United States, the Espionage Act is unconstitutional. Now, why is that? Why is the Espionage Act, as applies to the President, that is Trump, unconstitutional? Anybody know? Well, let's go back to Article 2, Section 1, the first sentence. And it's generally understood that the President of the United States has absolute ultimate authority to classify or declassify whatever he wants. So prior to his leaving office, if he makes a determination that he is going to take classified information with him, nothing can stop him. The Espionage Act of 1917 can't stop him. If you have the power to make classifications and unmake classifications, then you have the power to take a document, whether it's classified or not, as President of the United States. Well, Mark, what about the Presidential the Presidential Papers Act, or whatever they choose to call it? It was passed in 1978. Do any of you collect old presidential signatures and documents and so forth. You see, prior to 1978, most of these things belonged to the president who left office. 
That's why you'll get certificates signed by Abraham Lincoln. And I had possession of one time and gave it to the Hillsdale College of the first appointment of the first Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. It was in private hands. I purchased it and gave it to Hillsdale College. And on and on and on. So it wasn't until 1978 till this law was passed. It's an administrative law. It's not a criminal law. It's an administrative law. But that law does not trump the Constitution any more than the Espionage Act trumps the Constitution. I would argue that as applies to a president, it too is unconstitutional. The president makes a determination that he is going to take the documents with him. People will say, but the government produced it. That's fine as it applies to everybody else in the government, but not to the president. He's the one to which Article 2, Section 1, first sentence applies. He's the one. And nobody else. Equality under the law when it comes to Donald Trump is equal treatment as a president and former president under the law. Not as Ernie Grabowski handling the friar at McDonald's. The case of Hillary Clinton is so compelling because she never was president. She was nothing more than a cabinet secretary. Article 2 does not apply to her. She's a subordinate in the executive branch under the unitary executive, which is under the president. It doesn't apply to her or any subordinate. That is the powers that are given to the president of the United States upon his election. And to the extent the Espionage Act or some paper pusher act attempts to diminish or reduce the circle of power that a president has, they're unconstitutional. You want to change it, you amend the Constitution. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, of course, as I explain this to you, we have radical judges throughout the District of Columbia, thanks to Obama and Biden. We have a few Trump judges who do not appear to be all that sharp at the district court level. I believe we have Supreme Court justices that understand what I say if they haven't been so thoroughly intimidated by the Dobbs decision. But the Espionage Act, to me, as it was originally applied, was unconstitutional anyway. It's certainly unconstitutional as applied to a president of the United States. That's why it's never been applied to a president of the United States That's why an attorney general and a U.S. attorney have never attempted to apply it against a president of the United States. They have no idea if, as I speak, Barack Obama took documents with him, let alone classified documents. How would they know unless they issue a subpoena to search his five mansions? They have no idea if George W. Bush has classified information down there in Waco or Waco, Texas. They have no idea. They have no idea if Bill Clinton has classified documents as I speak. They have no idea if Dick Cheney has them. They have no idea if Vice President Biden took any. None. Because they've never looked. They've never looked. How would they know? Well, Mark, you yourself said they have batch numbers and track, but apparently not. It took 19 months to figure out that Donald Trump had material related to nuclear weapons, which, of course, is a lie, but I'm just playing it out. 19 months? Some urgency. So I want to encourage those listening. The Espionage Act of 1917 cannot be applied against a president But what about a former president? He didn't take the documents as a former president. He took them as president. Mark Levin. Let's read part of this together, shall we? I think we shall. Attachment B, property to be seized. 
All physical documents and records constituting evidence, contraband, fruits of crime, or other items illegally possessed in violation of 18 U.S.C. 793, it's the Espionage Act, 2071 records production, or 1519 obstruction, including the following. A, any physical documents with classification markings, along with any containers, boxes, including any other contents in which such documents are located, as well as any other containers, boxes that are collectively stored or found together with the aforementioned documents and container boxes. B, information, including communications in any form regarding the retrieval, storage, or transmission of national defense information or classified material. C, any government and or presidential records created between January 20, 2017 and January 20, 2021. D, any evidence of knowing alteration, destruction, or concealment of any government and or presidential records or of any documents with classification marking. Now, there's a lot to unload here, but let me unload what really matters. Any, this is C, any government and or presidential records created between January 2017 and January 2021. That would be during President Trump's term in office. All right? Now let's talk about the 14th Amendment. What does, excuse me, the 4th Amendment. What does the 4th Amendment say? Part of your Bill of Rights. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, that's that affidavit, here we go, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Any government and or presidential records created between January 20, 2017 and January 20, 2021. Now, obviously, you can't know in advance, can you? If such documents exist, but if they exist everywhere in somebody's house, everywhere. What this search warrant did, and in my view, violated the Fourth Amendment, is it gave unconstitutional power, a grant of power to the FBI and prosecutors who have a hate on for Trump to go into his home and search everything. We're not even talking here about the plain view doctrine, which I talked about last week. Nothing to do with that. This warrant authorizes this kind of a search by this master. The warrant signed by a master. It's not a federal judge. Any government and or presidential records created between January 20, 2017 and January 2021. You can search for them and seize them. Perhaps that explains why they went into Melania Trump's Clothes closet. Because C, out of A, B, C, and D, and I would argue others, but let's stay focused on C, violates the particularity requirement of the Fourth Amendment. One more time. Particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Why do we have a Fourth Amendment? Because several states demanded it before they, before they would vote on the Constitution that was adopted in Philadelphia. They didn't call it the Fourth Amendment, but they were very concerned about what were called general warrants or writs of assistance. The British would abuse the colonists by printing these general warrants, which became known as writs of assistance, in which 
the monarchy would grant soldiers these broad powers to search the homes, the businesses, the persons, the papers of the colonists. So they could search virtually any home they liked at any time they liked, for any reason they liked, or no reason at all. What was happening, obviously, is they wanted to see who was joining this resistance and then uh, revolution. So the framers of the Bill of Rights, which came after the Constitution, considered this to be unreasonable. Of course, they were right. Of course, they were right. So did the government have a valid interest, such as public safety, which is a key one, in searching through Melania's closet, in searching through the entirety, virtually, of the living quarters at Mar-a-Lago of the Trump family? Public safety issue or concerned about a, a potential crime, apart from maintaining documents. Apart from maintaining documents, which is why everybody's at first scratch their heads and say, you're doing a search warrant for threatening the President of the United States an unprecedented act because of documents? Because of documents? The presumption is, even the Supreme Court ruled in 1980 under Peyton versus New York, that a search without a warrant is presumed to be unreasonable. Some cases they can be reasonable for a number of reasons I don't need to get into here. But there are also cases where search warrants are issued that are unreasonable. For instance, if they grant way too broad of authority and undermine the entire purpose of a judge-ordered and judge-overseen search warrant in the first place. So not only... Is the Espionage Act not a justification, in my view, because it would be unconstitutional as applied to a leaving president? And by the way, the argument the president and his lawyers make is they already declassified them. I want to get into that in a sort of a footnote point. But here I argue the search warrant was simply way too broad. The judge, this master, authorized far too of an ambiguous and generalized search parameters. It doesn't fix it by saying, oh, well, by the way, look for classified information. And, and of course, they knew there was classified information. They'd been in there two months earlier, and they didn't take it. So there was no urgency. There really wasn't. And so the privacy and the property was violated by the government in violation of the Fourth Amendment. In addition, we learn more today. Of course, the Justice Department opposes the release of the underlying affidavit. They say it would serve as a roadmap to the government's investigation, providing specific details about its direction and likely course in a manner that is highly likely to compromise future investigative steps. Talk about a future president. I have no idea why they would have to say this. But the president of the United States tweeted out, oh great, it has been, it just been learned that the FBI and its now famous raid on Mar-a-Lago took boxes of privileged attorney-client material and also exclusive privileged material which they knowingly should not have taken by copy of this truth I respectfully request that these documents be immediately returned to the location from which they were taken thank you I heard one legal analyst say that they're going to have to set up what they call like it or not a Chinese wall within the Department of Justice where there are certain lawyers who will be on the other side of the wall to independently review the documents to make a determination of whether they're applicable or not. That might be fine when you're dealing with discovery matters, 
particularly when you're dealing with discovery requests involving the Department of Justice, where it needs to make such decisions and so forth. But when you're dealing with a search warrant and documents and boxes have already been taken, you can make the presumption that the attorney-client privilege has already been pierced. Because at least theoretically, although I don't believe they did this, but even according to parts of the warrant, at least theoretically they're looking through the boxes, right? They're there nine and a half hours. How can you prove a negative if you're the defense? So the presumption is they violated attorney-client privilege. And the Department of Justice doesn't get to decide whether they did or not. A court has to decide whether they did or not. So this is far more complicated as a result of the way the Department of Justice conducted itself than people make it seem. Yes, attorney-client privilege does actually apply to Donald Trump, even though I know they keep subpoenaing his lawyers or getting warrants and taking their documents and saying there's the crime-fraud exception, and they make these, these assertions and just start grabbing all the documents. You wouldn't want that to happen to you, would it? Would you? Presidents ask them to return them. I don't believe they've gotten an answer yet. president also points out in another tweet in the raid by the fbi they stole my three passports one expired along with everything else this is an assault on a political opponent that i'll ever never seen before in our country third world well why don't they return them where are these boxes who's in charge of them is the court overseeing it has the court done anything How about the Attorney General? Isn't he concerned about the Constitution? Isn't he concerned about attorney-client privilege? He's not supposed to do the dirty work of the Biden administration of the Democrat Party. Or to be the hatchet man for the U.S. Attorney hatchet. There's supposed to be a lot of protections in place on the criminal side. So once again, it's my contention that the Espionage Act of 1917 cannot apply to a president. And he is president at the time that he takes the documents and leaves office. That's number one. Number two, this act was never intended to apply to ex-presidents under any circumstances. That's why it's never been applied to them. We have no idea of the living ex-presidents, what they have in their homes and in their offices, the living vice presidents, what they have in their homes and offices, Neither does the National Archives. They can assert, well, they follow the rules, but that doesn't mean they know whether they're files in the homes or the businesses of these individuals. They don't have the foggiest idea. None. Number three, the search warrant, in my view, was way too broad and therefore defective under the Fourth Amendment and unconstitutional. Way too broad. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. So Joe Biden signed his putrid law that he's been pushing, 51 to 50 in the Senate, 220 to 217 in the House. Let there be no mistake that every Democrat voted for it, every Republican voted against it. This is a massive spending bill, further destroying our energy independence, further destroying our fossil fuel industry, further subsidizing billionaires and millionaires and corporations while they pretend that they care about the little guy. The Inflation Reduction Act has nothing to do with reducing inflation. Another lie, another distortion and perversion of the English language. We've reached a point in this country, it's not new, but it's gotten ridiculous. We're passing laws that fundamentally alter the relationship between the individual citizen and their government. In a way, in a way that is detrimental to the individual citizen and empowers the government. It's celebrated. It's considered progress. 
fundamentally altering the country. That's an achievement. Attacking our economic system, attacking the fossil fuel system, attacking our drug industry, attacking our our baby formula industry, our meat processing industry, attacking our sovereignty by refusing to secure the borders, attacking our constitutional system, separation of powers, the Supreme Court, Supreme Court justices. This is progress. Aborting more babies and aborting them on demand and aborting them even though the science says they're actually human beings. That's progress. That's a civil right. And that's where we are. Joe Biden is now going to travel the country talking about how the Republicans who voted against this monstrosity are actually for the special interests. He's the one subsidizing the oligarchs, big tech in Silicon Valley. He's the one subsidizing the teachers unions against the parents and the children. He's the one subsidizing these massive nonprofit Democrat slash Marxist organizations to bring endless lawsuits. He's the one subsidizing illegal immigration. He's the one subsidizing communist China by forcing you to purchase electric vehicles that have batteries that require cobalt, 70% of which is produced in Congo, 100 of that 70%, 100% controlled by the Democrats. Excuse me, yes, communist Chinese Democrats, what's the difference? Time to celebrate progress. He's been dying to sign this thing. The stupidest man to ever serve in the Senate, the stupidest man to ever be vice president, and now the stupidest man to ever be president has his hand around the throat of the golden goose. When things go south, when they go sour, he blames Putin. Big oil. Big capitalism. But when things seem to be going better, by his view, he takes all the credit. His plan did this. And what is his plan? To spend and excuse me, to spend and borrow on tax like a drunken Marxist. That's what he does. And he expects you to vote for him and vote for his party. Because he's for the little guy. Can't you tell? You've been to a grocery store lately? He's for the little guy. You have a baby that uses formula? He's for the little guy. When you go to your school board, when school starts again, it just did for many, and you, you dare to speak out, and his attorney general targets you with the FBI, it's for the little guy, don't you know? It's for the little guy, the middle class, hardworking Americans, which is why two million illegal aliens are going to cross the border this year alone. It's for the little guy. That's why it's going to unleash 87,000 new IRS agents against you. They're not needed for 700 billionaires. They're needed for you. We're the low-hanging fruit, and he intends to pick it. Small businesses. Middle-class Americans. The overwhelming majority of audits have been done against you in the first place. You think they're going to stop? And what about inflation? Not only does this thing not address inflation in any positive way, it adds to it. In the last 30 to 40 days, the Democrats in Congress have spent another trillion dollars. Another trillion dollars. You don't think that's going to catch up with the economy? You think the economy can be legislated away? They pass a law and that fixes things? They pass laws and it destroys things. There's a reason why the Constitution places limits on the federal government and on each branch of the federal government. 
There's a reason why I say we live in a post-constitutional America. What kind of Congress has the power to manipulate our lives this way? A bureaucracy, a president, to manipulate our lives this way. The question isn't what are the limits on government. The question today is what aren't the limits? They're involved in everything. Employment, unemployment, pensions, food, the air, the water. What goes in your house, what goes on your house, where you can build your house. Your car, they're now engineers. Your truck, your boat. What else? Everything. They're even stickers. On your washing machine, your dryer, your washer, government approved, your light bulbs, your ladders, the tires on your car, the engine in your car, the parts to your car, the paint, the roofing, the government. What goes into your car in terms of gasoline, whether it has ethanol or not? Oh, yes. Everything. Everywhere. What else? Government is the biggest landholder. It's the biggest leaser. It's the biggest insurer. It's the biggest employer. It's the biggest employee. It's got more weapons than the private sector. The government is massive. What isn't the government involved in? Oh, yes, and it's all good, all righteous, all to the positive. Have to control the people. Have to control these private companies. Have to control entrepreneurs. Have to control thought. Have to control discussions. Have to control competition. Have to get everything and anyone out of the way of the government's mission. another omnibus bill with ominous outcomes more spending more borrowing more debt more massive interest more redistribution of wealth more war on one part of the private sector or another by people for the most part who've never worked in the private sector or have never succeeded in the private sector. But they wish to control it. And yet, if we had to rely on the government for water, we would die. If we had to rely on the government for food, we would starve to death. If we had to rely on the government for housing, we'd freeze to death in the winter. We had to rely on the government for our sustenance. There would be no sustenance. We are now the servants of the government. There are no more government servants. We are the servants of the government. That's where we are. And now law enforcement is being used. Law enforcement is being used to enforce the will of the ruling class. People are actually starting to ask questions now about this warrant that was used against President Trump. Was it too broad? You don't say. I wonder where they heard that. Or that the grabbing of all the documents and so forth at Amar Largo seems to be unconstitutional. Oh, you don't say. Or that, of course, no president's ever been charged with violating the Espionage Act. We've never gone here before. This raises serious constitutional questions. Really? Where did you hear that before? Where did you hear that before? Oh, on January 6th. It's supposed to be the worst day in America. No, it's not the worst day in America. That's right. And where's the line 
between challenging an election, whether you choose different electors, whether you raise questions in Georgia, whether you encourage a Secretary of State to make recounts between politics and criminality. We've never done this before. It's all brand new. U.S. Attorney Biden appointee, Attorney General Biden appointee, Deputy Attorney General Biden appointee, Associate Attorney General Biden appointee, Head of the Criminal Division Biden appointee, DA in Atlanta, Democrat, Attorney General in Albany, Democrat, the January 6th Committee, Nancy Pelosi, Democrat, that's her committee. The Democrat Party hates America. That's why bills like this This omnibus, ominous bill is pushed through in a week to 10 days' time before the people can tell their representatives what they think about it. That's why the border's open, even though the people don't want the border open. It doesn't matter what the people want. It's a farce. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. The Center for Disease Control has received a blistering, blistering report about its conduct since, you know, we had the virus and so forth. Trying to pull this up for you. And um, I want to remind you, this whole nursing home situation, that we were the first to talk about this when we were tipped off on the air by a doctor who was an administrator at a nursing home. And I would go through the stats that were provided by the CDC, and I would tell you that the definition of just COVID is confusing. It seems overly broad that the direction that was being given was contradictory. I had people on my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, people behind this mic. And, of course, I was an attacked as a denier. I was a denier of what? I don't deny there's a virus. Of course I didn't deny that there's a virus. But there were a lot of questions to be asked, and the CDC was not up to it. And one of the reasons is because of politicization, which is not a top subject of this report, because they would respond to Democrat interest groups like the teachers' union, which really wasn't part of the report either. And, of course, we have Fauci, who said... Don't wear masks, and then wear masks, wear boots, wear burkas, wear goggles, double mask. And nobody serious was buying any of that, except, of course, the media pushing the agenda. And now the CDC director, Walensky, she now admits the CDC did not reliably meet expectations on COVID-19. They had had a review of its structure, systems, and processes. Now they're going to have a shakeup. The head of the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention today acknowledged the agency fell short of expectations. Its handling of the coronavirus pandemic announced drastic changes for its operations. Walensky said, For 75 years, CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19, and in our big moment... Our performance did not reliably meet expectations. And, of course, Fauci is one of the reasons, and, of course, his ass should be kicked out and kicked out fast. My goal is a new public health action-oriented culture at CDC that emphasizes accountability, collaboration, communication, and timeliness. Notice she doesn't say eliminates politics. The agency in April announced a review of its structure, systems, and processes, and the review came after criticism the agency was slow to alter 
COVID-19 guidance in the face of changing science often produced confusing recommendations that were difficult for the public to decipher. Changes would also include the appointment of Mary Wakefield, a former Obama administration health official, to lead the agency's move toward a stronger public health focus. Additionally, the CDC will strengthen the response team for health emergencies, according to the New York Times. One of the other things they want to look at is diversity at the highest level. So let me tell you this. You ready? I think a lot of this, the response is the opposite of what you, a normal, regular American, would think. I think we're going to get more of the woke politics in this department, this agency. More of it. Not less. That they're going to remain political when they talk about communications and and so forth. Uh, they're bringing in an Obama flack as if that's going to clean up anything. As we know, it won't clean up anything. I am owed an apology. Many people are owed an apology. I don't expect one. I'm just underscoring the point. And, of course, there are fantastic, fantastic. Experts, Yale, Stanford, Oxford, yeah, Rockefeller College, so many in so many other places were out front and knew exactly what needed to be done. And they were not only ignored, in many cases they were derided. And of course, big tech and the oligarchs, they rejected any contrary opinions even from experts and scientists and medical doctors. They banned them. They banned them. They gave them the scarlet letter. And now we know also that the CDC worked and the White House worked with these big oligarchs from Tech World who now have received $50 billion or so from you and me in order to silence contrary voices. And that's the problem, you see, ladies and gentlemen. The more centralized the government gets, the more ideological, the more it is invested in pushing its agenda no matter what. That's the problem with centralized healthcare decisions. That's the problem with centralized environmental decisions. That's the problem with centralized economic decisions. You know, Stalin, yes, Stalin. Stalin. His people were starving. The Russians were starving to death. But he was not going to give up the communes. He was not going to give up his massive stealing of private property. The reorganization of agriculture. And so he and his people put out lies about production. Lies. And when they wouldn't meet their goals he would have the people in charge of the processes executed. Because it wasn't the ideology, you see, it was the people. Because they can never give up the ideology. That's all they have. It's the ideology. CDC admits it failed to respond effectively to the COVID crisis. Sweeping reorganization aimed at changing the agency's culture and restoring public trust. Plans to make the agency more nimble. I'm just reading what they say. Um, It admits flawed COVID-19 response. And it says it's laid out a plan to become more nimble and accountable. I don't think so. Not if you're bringing an Obama hack in. If you're talking about wokeism effectively. None of that's going to improve science. None of it's going to improve the management of the organization. You see, the CDC, like HHS, like all the rest of the alphabet, has enormous red tape, layers and layers of long-in-the-tooth bureaucrats, starting with Fauci, among others. And they're not talking about the kind of changes that are needed to truly fix it. Market-oriented, competition, 
taking more advice from serious outside scientists and medical doctors. They haven't even acknowledged, let alone apologized for their work with the big oligarchs and big tech to silence people who actually know what they're talking about. Now, why are they coming out now and doing this? Why? Because they believe the Republicans will take the House. When they take the House, they will have to testify, and there will be investigations. And they're going to point to this great report that they've done and how they've responded to it, that we're going to make changes, we're going to do much better, we're going to be responsive to the public, we're going to, we're going to consult this one and that one. And we know we have a problem. So this is a preventative effort to take some of the heat off. God willing, when the Republicans take the House, because they have said that this will be one of their top issues. So they want to come in and defuse the whole thing. We, uh, you know, we worked on this, and we, we agree, and we have a problem, and we're work, really working on changing the bureaucracy and the response, and, and, and we don't disagree, and blah, blah. No, no, no. They need to be held to account. This overhaul, they're talking about major overhaul. Why do you think they're making such a big deal of it? Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Rand Paul on the FBI. Let's listen in. Cut to go. Well, you know, I think the burden is on the FBI to justify this raid. This is extraordinary. This is also the same FBI that used a foreign intelligence warrant to snoop on and spy on the Trump campaign to investigate them for over two years. So I think the burden really is on the FBI. They've been wrong in the past. They've broken the law in using these foreign intelligence warrants. Now they use a domestic warrant, but I do think they need to, re- to release the justification for this because this is extraordinary and we should not lose sight of the fact this has never, ever happened before for good reason, because we need to have confidence in the FBI. We need to have confidence in our intelligence agencies that they're there to protect us and not to uh, go after people for political purposes. So the burden is on them to prove that it, this is not a politically motivated witch hunt. You know, as I listen to Senator Paul, and I think about these things, where exactly is the Department of Justice going with this? Now, ladies and gentlemen, follow me on this. Where are they going? They covered up for Hunter Biden. They refused to investigate all the connections between Joe Biden and his paymasters in communist China and elsewhere. They refused to go after a secretary of state, former secretary of state, for her violations of the Espionage Act. And subordinates of the president can be charged with violations of the Espionage Act. They refused to go after a former FBI director who actually leaked government information to the New York Times and took a bunch of it home. Where exactly are they going with this? If these Democrat prosecutors have their way, they're going to indict the former president of the United States. I want you to let that really settle in. I want you to digest that. If they have their way, they're going to indict a former president of the United States, and quite frankly, very likely a future candidate for president of the United States. For what? Now you look at these statutes. I've studied them. I know them. The Espionage Act? No. You have to turn that statute inside out to charge a president, a former president, with violating that statute. And yet it appears they may be willing to do exactly that. For insurrection? Obstructing an election? 
and more? Because he he wants to try and challenge the election in different states. He's encouraging them to send under electors. He wants fraud or what is believed to be fraud to be investigated. They're calling an obstruction in an effort to stay in office. No, 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 no. You're going to indict a former president for that? For that? Now, I understand the self-righteousness of the Trump haters, whether they be in the Department of Justice, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI, in the Democrat Party generally, in the White House. Obviously, Mitch McConnell wants Donald Trump taken down. It's clear because he's so effective, that Mitch McConnell. But this is where we're going. And they'll have a trial. A trial. In Washington, D.C., before one of these judges like Jackson. That's what we're going to do. Well, half the country looks in absolute stunned shock and amazement. To what's happening to our country. And then we are admonished. By so-called Republican leaders. Don't criticize. Don't raise your voice. Let the process play out. Let the process play out. It's played out. Why do prosecutors. Issue search warrants. Because they are looking for information. Information to do what? To bring charges against somebody. Whether it's January 6th or the ESPA, whatever it is. That's why this is so unconscionable and shocking. And the leaks to the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost, to Newsweek, to CNN, to others, they don't add up. This is a massive ongoing, multi-headed investigation for anything. Anything they can find. Anything. They will use local prosecutors in Manhattan and Atlanta. They will use state prosecutors in Albany. They will use federal prosecutors in Washington, D.C. and South Florida. They will use a committee of Congress to do their dirty work. They will do whatever they have to do. They have now criminalized the leader of the Republican Party. Effectively, that's what they've done. The ruling class, the Democrat Party, the Mitch McConnell Republicans, the never-Trumpers, The moderates who are phony so-called conservative columnists. The breadth and width of what's taking place is stunning. Absolutely stunning. I mean, they've been exposed for what they did in the 2016 election and early on in the Trump presidency. They've been exposed. The FBI, no, not just senior levels, but even mid-level lawyers at the FBI. They've been exposed for planning evidence, the dossier, on behalf of the Democrats. They've been exposed for changing documents presented to courts. They've been exposed for leaking, committing felonies for which reporters get Pulitzer Prizes, and then it turns out these are lies, and they keep their Pulitzer Prizes. And where's George Bush? Dick Cheney and his daughter. 
They're part of the ruling class. They're fine with this. You see, Trump is the most dangerous man in history. Oh, yes, during his four years of presidency, he violated the Constitution. He rounded up people. He executed people. He sent the military. No, he didn't do any of those things. We have four years of experience with Donald Trump. He followed the law. Unlike Joe Biden, who refuses to institute the existing immigration laws and has destroyed Title IX for women and has destroyed so many things. But don't worry, Joe's on a roll, man. He's been successful. Step back and look at the big picture. This is the party that wants to destroy the independence of our court system. This is the party that sends its thugs and its militia out to harass the constitutionalists on the court. And the fraud and the phony who sits in the attorney general's office has no interest in charging anybody with a violation of federal law. We don't even need a search warrant. Just look at them. There they are. Arrest them. No, he won't. Why? He won't say. He won't say. This is the attorney general who sits on his thumb. When our border's being overrun with criminals and fentanyl, people are dying in the streets from this drug. He does nothing to secure the border. He's for law enforcement, don't you know? Nothing. The murder rate going through the roof, crime going through the roof. But don't worry. They got Trump in their sights, America. Don't worry. And they had the Republican leader in the Senate on their side. He speaks very loudly by his silence. His silence is deafening. Deafening. See, you see this. I see this. That's why when we see editorials in papers like the Washington Examiner, the New York Post, we go, what? Are they living in the same world as we are? What? And then we sit there and say, why doesn't Donald Trump drink his tea properly? Pinky in the air. Why doesn't he properly take his cloth napkin and tuck it into his collar? He fights back. Tens of millions of us have wanted a fighter who fights back. He fights back. And then people say, I don't know if we want this drama. I I, I don't know. I mean, the guy... He tweets, he fights, he just, he just, can't you let it go? What do you think they'll do to DeSantis? They've already started with DeSantis. You think the local Democrat DAs in Florida? Or if they get a Democrat attorney general one day, are going to lay off DeSantis? No, they're not going to lay off DeSantis. And they're not going to lay off Trump. And just look at what we talk about now every day. They drive this agenda. They drive this agenda. And notice that Joe Biden's a, he's above it all. He doesn't even know about it. We're supposed to believe. He doesn't know. No. How would Joe know? He doesn't know about that. He doesn't know what his son's doing. Old crooked Joe has no idea. Just because he's Mr. 10% and the big guy, just because he has multi-million dollar mansions after spending a lifetime in the Senate, way! No problem. No problem at all. It's Joe. Not going to bother Joe. Not going to bother Hunter. I mean, we may have to acknowledge a kid's a crook and a cokehead and all the rest, but you know... Lay off his family. The only family we attack is the Trump family. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I know this government, controlled by the Democrats, I know this government, it's in my gut, it's in my instinct. I know they're listening to this show. I know they're watching my social media. I know they've stolen some of my email. Oh, yes. 
I know. This is what we're dealing with now. And now they're going to have 87,000 more individuals to monitor your bank accounts, the checks you write, the deposits you make, to see how you conduct yourself in business or as an employee. Now, the surveillance state feels like it does in many ways in China, doesn't it? Here we are, massive debt, massive inflation, people are suffering, and the government creates positions for 87,000 more IRS agents. Always enough money for that. I sure hope people understand what's going on in this country. So let me ask you a question. Where the Democrat Party is ruling, what do we have? What do we have? Do we have safety? Do we have health care? Do we have functioning schools? Do we have functioning public transportation? Do we have clean streets? I'm hoping enough Democrats are listening to me who live in these areas. I'm not talking about party apparatchiks, you know, little commies that goose step around and make their money off the backs of the people of a particular city. I'm saying look at all these cities. Not one Democrat city is functioning in a humane and civil way. Not one. Not one of them has a functioning police force because how the politicians have destroyed them. Not one has safe streets. Not one. Not one has good schools. Not one. Not one has clean streets. Not one. That's the Democrat Party. And then when you look at the national level... They project what they've done in the cities to what they want to do to the nation. Impoverish the people. The people are to work for the government rather the other way around. Put fear in the people with a now massive, powerful IRS and so forth. 